0: It's full of sin. Of love, but I'll never know just why he came to save me till some day I see his blessed face of.
1: This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm always glad to have opportunity to come and share God's Word with you on these Thursday nights. I thank you for joining us and for being a part of this ministry. As always, my prayer is that the Word and the music will be a special blessing. Would you hear now, please, the Word of God from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, very familiar words. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. But we're focusing on this verse. But who do you say that I am? This is the word of God for the people of God, Thanks be to God. Would you join me, please, for a word of prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When Michael Green, the British historian of evangelism, was speaking to a group of pastors a few years ago, he asked this question. He said, when was the last time you told your congregation what Jesus means to you? After I read that in Christian Century Magazine, this article, and what he said, it was hard for me to forget it. As a Christian minister, I talk a lot about Jesus. But talk about is not the same as expressing devotion to. As a matter of fact, there was a minister who told his congregation what Jesus meant to him. When the service was over, the crowds came up and they shook his hand. One lady who was a saint of the church finally got to the front of the line, but she was so choked up she had to return and go back to the end of the line. The minister said he assumed she didn't know how to say goodbye. But she worked her way back up to the front of the line, and when she got up there in a cracked voice she said, Why didn't you tell us this before? Now when I look at Jesus Christ, there are many things about him that I do not understand. But I am growing every year in my understanding of the mystery and uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Two thousand years ago, Jesus asked this ultimately important question, Who do you say that I am? Central to the Christian faith is the identity of its founder, Jesus Christ. Well, this question was addressed to Simon Peter. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. What did he mean? Initially he meant that there is no explanation big enough to cover Jesus Christ. Nobody can explain enough about Jesus Christ. When we think about him being one among the others, he is not one among the others, he is the one to whom the others looked, the Christ of God, the Messiah of God. The late Albert Outler expressed it this way, The baseline for every Christian confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior is the recognition that in and through Jesus Christ we have to do with the living God. We have to do with the living God. For another thing, he's telling us that unless we have a personal discovery of Jesus, then our discovery is not authentic. Some time ago, my wife and I went to a celebration of a man's life who had taught one large Sunday school class for 40 years. He had taught that class for 40 years. Sometime during the evening, he came over to me and he whispered, Hal, keep on preaching Christ. It's the only thing that matters. You see, that man was talking out of personal discovery. He knew Jesus Christ as his personal friend. And then that spiritual says, wasn't it a mighty day when Jesus Christ was born? Again, that is a personal discovery. A personal discovery. When was the last time you told your congregation what Jesus Christ means to you? Why didn't you tell us this before? To me, Jesus is the clearest expression of the mystery of God. Death came to the home of Thomas Carlyle. Someone there seeking to comfort Mr. Carlyle picked up a New Testament and read these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I, muttered Carlisle, if you were God, you had a right to say that. But if you are only a man, what more do you know than any of the rest of us? That is a question. It is a justifiable question, a significant question. Jesus was fully human, but is that all? I answer that with a resounding no by faith. Jesus was so much more than simply being a human. I believe that Jesus Christ was actually God's Son. How could God become flesh? The Christian church has a strange answer. We call it the doctrine of the incarnation. The doctrine of the incarnation, that's what theologians call it, God in the flesh. The word incarnation literally means incarnate from the Latin word. It means in the flesh. The writer of John's Gospel says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, and we beheld his glory as from the only Son. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us everything about the mystery of God, but Jesus does very uniquely reveal God. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Donald Coggins, put it this way, if you want to know what is in the mind of the Eternal, what the heart of the Eternal is like, what the will of the Eternal is, You will find it revealed in the word in Jesus of Bethlehem and Nazareth, crucified and risen. After only a short time of marriage, the husband had to go off to fight a war. He would send his wife cards and letters, and occasionally he would send a gift telling her he loved her. One night there was an unusual knock on her door. Cautiously she opened it, and there before her stood her wonderful husband. She was so shocked and surprised. But there he stood, such a wonderful surprise, and they had a glad reunion indeed. In times past, God spoke to us through messages and words, through the prophets and others. But at Christmas, he came himself. He came in his person. He came with a face, a face. To me, Jesus is the clearest expression of the mystery of God. And then secondly, I believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world including mine. There was a classroom of boys. They were having a discussion with the teacher. The teacher asked one of the boys this question. He said, why did Jesus have to die? The boy said, well, he saw a lot of good in the world and he couldn't stand to see that good being pushed around. Somebody had to take the rap and he took it. Now, all of us have had a part in pushing the good around in this world. I know I have. We've done it by our individual and collective actions. We've done it by our sins of commission and omission. We've done it in our attitudes. We've done it in our relationships. Sin is real, no question about it. And all of us have had a part in it, every last one of us. A man said that when he was in sixth grade, he went to a new school, and that meant he had to ride the bus. He said when he first got on the bus, he saw what junior high bus abuse was all about. He said there was a couple of brothers named Cain that ruled the back of the bus. One was Kevin. He was by far the meanest. And he said he heard him say one day to the bus load of kids, Get ready. And then he began to shout when this girl came on the bus. He began to shout, dee Dorf a slut, dee Dorf a slut, dee Dorf a slut. Well, the girl walked onto the bus. She sat down. She never looked up. And this went on for a week. Every day, and more and more boys and girls were joining in. Dee Dee is a slut. Dee Dee is a slut. Finally, the bus driver stopped driving the bus. He simply stopped one day, got up, turned around, and he said, Why in the world are you calling her this? Kevin had the audacity and the nerve to say, Because she is one. But then the bus driver leaned over and spoke to the girl, and he said something like this, You are made in the image of God. You are not a slut. You are a valuable person made in the image of God. And this man who was telling the story said he must have had more to say than that because Kevin was not on the bus anymore that week. And when he came back the next time, there was no word about Katie or Dee Dee being a slut. That was all over. Beloved, sin is real. And when sin is active, we have to deal with it. The good news is we can but God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to share with you a meaningful testimony that came from Ford Philpott, this Methodist evangelist. This is what he said. Heck, fellas, I'm not even a Christian, he said. If you're going to pray for someone, pray for me. I need God. In the true fellowship that comes from the Lord, they put their arms around him and began to pray. This time he joined them with sincerity. The forgiveness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ filled the room. He almost perceptibly felt his load lifted. For the first time in 15 years, he felt clean. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord had forgiven him. As I said, this is the wonderful conversion experience of Ford Philpott, but it's also the experience of countless thousands of other people through the years. These people have realized they were sinners and that Christ died for their sin. And so I say... I believe Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, including mine. And then thirdly, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and his resurrection is my doorway to life, both in the here and in the hereafter. The world saw the beautiful Christ child born in a stable. They saw him grow to adulthood. They saw him ridiculed and beaten and killed, crucified. It looked like the end. If that was all there were, it would be terrible indeed. But thank God it wasn't. Because if we keep on listening, we can hear the angels sing again. And this time, they're singing in a crescendo. And they're singing, why seek ye the living among the dead? Because I live, you shall live also. When I speak of eternal life, I'm speaking more than simply the continuity of living. I'm speaking of a quality of life, the quality of a relationship with God that's begun here that will continue in the next life and be nurtured and continue to grow. Now, what is heaven like? I really don't know because the writers of the Bible were writing for people in that century and their words would be meaningful to the original readers. For instance, one of the writers said, there will be no more sea. Of course there will be no more sea because those people lived in a climate of tremendous heat. They were land lovers. They didn't like the sea. They hated it. And then one of the writers said, there'll be no more sunshine to burn skin and to make people feel weary. They lived in a hot climate. They lived in a very hot climate. And so those words were written for those people, those people in that time. But what is heaven like? I want to share with you what Max Lucado said it was like. He said, forget the cherubs and the disembodied spirits. Heaven will be the world, this world, at its best. Why would God abandon this planet? He never renounced his work, quite the opposite. He pledged to restore it. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. So he's saying that heaven is right here, a perfect world, a perfect world with no sin anymore, a postcard of the next. Billy Graham said that the Bible doesn't tell us everything we need to know about heaven. Paul said, "I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered the heart of humankind the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he went on to say, "Heaven is going to be perfect. Heaven is glorious. Heaven is joyous. Heaven is active. And then he said, Heaven is home. Beloved, whatever heaven is, I believe we're going to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and with other people who have lived and died in Christ. I believe we're going to be in that relationship. I believe we're going to be growing in an uninterrupted way. We're not going to have starts and stops and snags to stop us. We're going to keep on growing because it's going to be that kind of environment. I remember G.K. Chesterton was stopped by somebody, and this reporter said to him, I understand you've just become a Christian. Can I ask you a question? What would you do if the living Lord was standing right behind you? Chesterton replied, He is. I believe... Jesus Christ is our doorway to life, both this life and the life to come. And then I believe that Jesus often comes unannounced and unnamed. A minister friend told me he spoke at an elderly home at Christmas time. And one of the things he asked was, Where is the Messiah to be found? And he said, One man said, that he had just moved into the home. He had rented his home and moved into this elderly home. His wife had died of cancer. He loved his children, but he seldom saw them. He was a cranky old man. He had an illness that wasn't going away. This was his last Christmas. He said, but you know, I've learned a major lesson. And the major lesson I've learned is, I can't love or be loved enough. That is true. I can't love or be loved enough. That is where Jesus generally reveals his presence, where love is found. I cut out an article not long ago. It had to do with 13 people caught in an elevator in a medical center. They couldn't get off, so they were caught in the same elevator. And the columnists kept telling us how kind they were to each other. One man began to feel faint, and so the whole group moved over. A young boy, a two year old boy, had an ear infection, and he began to get restless. A well-dressed lady behind had a candy cane. She asked the mother if she could give the boy the cane. She told her she could. She did. His restlessness was over. A 15-year-old boy looked like he was having chemotherapy treatments. He was beginning to feel hot. Again, the people in the elevator moved. The lady who told this story to the reporter got off. She said, I felt renewed. You see, she felt renewed because love was there. And Jesus said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And then I believe in me because I believe in Jesus. A British journal came out with a question, who is a person's best friend? This was a contest. The winning definition was this, a person's best friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. That's sort of like Joseph Scriven. You remember the young man? The young man who was planning to marry this girl Something happened and she accidentally drowned. He became bitter. But later, he experienced Christ and he wrote these words, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. But I think there's a better way of looking at friendship. And I think it had to do with something Henry Ford said to a man he was eating lunch with. This man was eating with him. Henry Ford said, Who's your best friend? The man couldn't answer. Henry Ford said, I'll tell you, your best friend is the one who brings out the best that's in you. Your best friend is the one who brings out the best that's in you. And that's what Jesus Christ does for all of us. Consequently, I believe in me because I believe in Jesus. And then finally, I believe Jesus is the example about who I should be living my life. He is the example that I should live my life. Bevel Jones once said at a funeral that I participated in, We're saved by grace, but we must be worthy of that grace. That's what Jesus meant when he said, let your light so shine before humankind. He said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before humankind that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is concerned about the kingdom of God. His issues are love and forgiveness and reconciliation and freedom. And those wonderful virtues, and as part of his kingdom, we too should be concerned about those things. You know, there was a man that said, true happiness consists of getting beyond yourself, outside yourself, and staying outside yourself. What is it that Jesus says? Who do you say that I am? Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for the challenging words that you give us. Help us to examine our own hearts as we answer and help us to trust you in our response to guide us to be more and more like the one that we know is life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity of proclaiming and for listening and for watching. It's all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight. I trust that you'll have a good evening and join us again next week.
0: so My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is